And it hurts. I never want to start another business in New York City. My God. It's like somebody just comes by with you, a vacuum cleaner to suck your wallet out. Just, can I tell you, though? I, I, it's, I mean, where, I do love if it. you want to do the it. big leagues, where are you going to do no, it? No, I know. We did it. You know, it's Bethlehem. Good. But, you know, they're going to fight you. Nothing <laughs> wrong with Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. No, it's where baby Jesus was born. <laughs> Not that <laughs> Bethlehem. Bad blood yet? Oh my god, it was so good. It's pretty satisfying, right? It's it's like something really delicious, but not just delicious, but you want it to stay in your mouth a really long time. With good chocolate. Good chocolate. A nice, not too pricey a wine, but like a good wine. Before I had the means, like the way a White Castle burger sort of melted into the bun. Yeah. Was just incredible. And the then cheese, the onions the had that, that sweetness. The, the fact that you can't differentiate between the cheese and the meat. And the bread. Mm -hmm. And then you had those diced onions, which gave it that sweetness, which you don't understand that when you're 14. We should bring this back a little bit. Bad Blood is a book by uh, an author named John Carreyrou. Carreyrou. And it, it's about Theranos, the company that the CEO was Elizabeth Holmes. It's a, it's a Silicon Valley startup. Yeah, and it did blood testing. It had devices that – it was supposed to have devices that would go into like a Walgreens and you could go prick your finger, a little bit of blood would come out, and it would do all these tests. And that's great because you Versus don't – no needles. like, all right, needles. Or little tiny needles, just real, real cool. And so like this is a world of TED Talks and big investors and everybody was really into Theranos and it turns out it was not great. It was bullshit. It was a nonsense company. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know what's tricky? Reading the book – and it's definitely, you're looking in a mirror at some parts of this. Like you've met people like the people in this book. And so there's a few things that happen. First of all, it's just, it's hardware instead of software. And it's sure. healthcare hardware instead of software. Sure. And so, you know, in software, we can make big promises and never deliver. I have an awful bug. Yeah. And everyone's like, well, it's a bad bug. And you erased all the data, but yeah. nobody, nobody's dead. <laughs> And uh, literally, like, you know, when we're doing this stuff, a lot of times if something's going real wrong, you'll say, oh, it's egg well, nobody died. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Well, you got to get on with it, right? So you got to fix it. Right. But in this case, in medical stuff, you can't do it after the fact. No, no, no. You're playing with people's lives. The journalist who reported it out really went deep at the Wall Street Journal and dug deep into this company, found a lot of problems. And boy, did they come hard at him to keep him from telling the story. But what you sense is they just kept telling themselves, you know, it's right around the corner. Yeah. Like, I think that there was a tremendous amount. There's deception of the public, which is inexcusable. You cannot deceive the public with your blood product and tell them that, you know, come to Walgreens and we'll test everything and we'll tell you what's wrong with you when you can't do that. That's very, very. Probably should go to jail. That's a terrible which thing to is do. It's a possibility. Just a flat out terrible thing to do. Yeah. That's right. But there's an element of self-deception throughout that I really found fascinating because it, it, that's a big part of software. Like you just, you kind of lie to yourself about how easy it's going to be. Well, there's this wonderful Bill Burr skit. Bill Burr is a comedian. Yeah, you love him. He's a knucklehead. He's like a, just a jerk from Boston and he's just angry at everything. And frankly, he looks like Socrates next to the other stand-up comedians on Netflix. <laughs> so there's that. Yeah, and the other, he went after... Um, Steve Jobs in one bit, and it's that's great. the thing. And and what he went at the way he went after him actually made me re reminded me of Theranos, which was 
Okay, so he's put forward like this icon. He's a genius. But what did he do? He walked around with a fruit in his hand, and he'd say, make it smaller. I yeah. want to. I want the screen. I want to use my finger. And no, you can't add any buttons. Go figure it out. No, Bill Burr doesn't know what product is. He's just like this person did nothing. He wore a turtleneck. He wore a turtleneck. He at everybody. Right. So I think now, now we have to we have to be mindful. Bill Burr is silly. like Steve Jobs came up in Silicon Valley. He actually did. He knew what assembly programming was. He did some. He did, and like he a, got in there. Yeah, he saw the problems he, and sat next to you, and he did get in there. Clearly, he knew like what the limits of possibility were, and he would just shove people right up to through the, them, sort of past <laughs> that limit, right? Like the the anecdote. There's an anecdote about the iPhone where he they told him it couldn't be any smaller and they handed him a prototype. Yeah, I don't know if this is true or not, but he dropped and theoretically he dropped it into the aquarium in his office because of course he would have an aquarium. Right. Yeah, and uh, and bubbles came out. He was like, "Well, there's clearly still room." <laughs> right. So that. <laughs> By the way, he killed yeah. some of the rarest tropical fish. Oh yeah, five sharks that died phone. that day. <laughs> It's okay. <laughs> they just sucked down some gallium arsenide. Right. And also, Elizabeth Holmes really copied Steve Jobs down to the turtleneck. She believed in him. His image. Yes. She copied his image down to the turtleneck. And I think what she believed was, and I think this is Bill Burr's point, which is, look, I'm going to go and get a bunch of money, step one. Mm-hmm. Step two, I'm going to hire really smart, talented people, which she was able to do. Mm-hmm. A lot of PhDs, a lot of thought leaders mm-hmm. in, in medicine and, and, and the like. And... I'm going to be a figurehead. I'm going to be the leader. And I'm going to scream at them yeah, a I'm lot. Gonna, I'm going to be the leader. Just gonna, like Steve. I'm going to bring this together. I'm going to make this happen. Beyond Steve's genius, and he's a genius, let's acknowledge that, yeah. he was a tyrant. He was brutal in what he, what, how he tried and what the tactics he'd use to try to get more out of people. And she figured, I'll just do the same thing. I'll just, I'm not going to do any of it. I can't do it. I mean, I'm, I'm Steve Jobs. I'm, I'm going to walk around and just scare people. Now, granted, he had built the industry, you know, big part of the industry and had a great sense for consumer product and it was demonstrable. And he, he built careers as he went along. She came in very young in her 20s and, and sort of was like, I'll do that too. Oh, it breaks down. But she hadn't, sure. she hadn't done the homework, right? Exactly. Like, the The story is just like, there's a lot of narcissism involved. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of old Republican dudes involved. In this the story. was weird too. Because right? the Hoover Institution, which is a, a sort of right wing, sort of very classic think tank associated with Stanford. Well, she, as I like to say, it's the retirement home for Republicans. She's like their bright young granddaughter or something. If this was real, yeah. she would probably be a modern day oh. Joan of Arc. We'd be sitting here like just I mean, talking for about for women in business. Yeah, she'd be an icon. That's what's brutal about this, actually. She, I, it's it's yeah. tough. Yeah. It really sucks because it was like here was this really weird one-off story with this very like smart, clever person, and it turns out to be a fraud. Yeah, and that, that just that part is is very depressing because yeah. it's also you know there was a point where there were billions and billions of dollars in value, and this was going to be a great blood testing framework. And yeah. And it was also cool to see Silicon Valley connect to pharma and to all like, it was like, oh, whoa, this is a brave new world. And I remember reading about it and feeling a little bit left behind. Like, oh, is that the way it's going? Yeah. Whoa, we're going to still build software. It'll be okay. But like, wow, maybe, maybe we should all get into blood testing. And Well, Silicon Valley gets real excited over disrupting status quo. It right? does. It this, was, was, this was the pitch. Except a lot of times disruption is just a new middleman. 
You know, a lot of times disruption is we're going to get rid of supply chain engineering and yeah. drop blockchain in. And you're like, but the, calm down. Is that good for me? And they're like, <laughs> no, but I get 5% of every transaction. And so this was actually like, not, it was genuinely disruptive. Like, don't go to the, the to quest diagnostics. It'll be in the home. Oh, that's another thing we, worth noting. This wasn't just about new hardware at Walgreens. This yeah, was going to be in your house. Yeah. This is going to be next to your it's blender. It's going to be good for diabetics. It's going to be for everyone. So there's a lot of ambition and hope that got connected to this. And, and Without a doubt. All the doctors got involved and doc, <laughs> Mad Dog Mattis was involved. And so there was a really interesting moment too where, which I thought about a lot which is she went and got Shyat Day, which is the ad agency that did a lot of Apple's advertising. Yeah. So, of course, she, she, they went for that for Theranos. And there's a big part of the book about trying to get the website out. And, of course, it's it's a disaster because they're just trying to get the website up. Like, yeah. that's that's the first part that's hard is right. that Theranos has a very controlled image and they have a lot of stories they want to tell. But also they keep having to kind of – everyone's starting to realize that the marketing message doesn't correlate to reality. Right. And it's one of these moments down where, to like language that's right. scrubbed on the site. Right? right. And so it's this very tricky thing where the agency isn't quite sure what its ethical responsibilities are because they're about to put health information up. Now, now legally, you know, we have this too. We're indemnified. If somebody says, can you do this for us? And, you know, they give us some copy to put on a website. We're indemnified. That's on them. Yes. Like we don't, we yes. can't take responsibility for that because we don't have the domain knowledge. Yeah, it's just it's just you're talking about stuff that is affecting people's health and lives that even as an ad agency or a marketing agency, it just you can't for, help but like, uh, can we just talk about this for yeah, a second? Yeah, I don't know if we want this on. Well, because you go, I mean, it's really like right. this is dangerous. Right. This is things like that that are bad for the world and bad for business, and you're like, uh oh, right. Right. And it's really tough. Like you can see the people who are in there who are just like the, the people who are supposed to get the website up at Shiant Day. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, uh, the language is kind of aggressive this here. Is where, and you can just imagine that 500 million email chain. Yeah. Of like, well, what about if we said sometimes yeah. instead of always? Right. Exactly. Or like frequently. You try to get in the head of the founder here, right? And you have to wonder, is the founder terrible and self-aware and it's just decided okay i'm evil i know what i'm doing no, is evil. or is this all. someone that just got lost and just drank their own kool-aid i think this just, is so i think that you're surrounded it's a bright talented obviously gifted person she has like what was that we're back to netflix wild wild country what's the name of the dude Everybody worships. Oh, Bhagwan. Bhagwan. But yeah. nobody said it. He never said anything, right? He just had that charisma. I know, but that was that's hard to do too. I'd I, love I to do that. I think she's, I don't what think, is, do you man consider him intelligent? Or uh, yeah. Do you consider oh him no, having... he was brilliant. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would love. So you're, you're really, you're, you're measuring this against how Can people. Can you imagine if we didn't have to do this podcast and we could just sort of sit here and look at people and they like would get their. LSD and just. <laughs> and they would get their work done. Do you know how great that would be? If I could oh, just, I could oh, just look out in the window and like look at the design department and smile. And Is that genius? Like nod. I'm sure. Why not? There's all kinds of intelligence. You don't just have to yell at people. You're in right. Bay Ridge. I, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think I think what you're talking about is this sort of common trait, which is the ability to get people to emotionally connect yeah. with whatever it is you're doing, well, this whatever is, it is you're about, and, and to just almost become drunk on There's it. a terrible truth. I can't remember. What, whoever wrote the big book on management in the 70s, I can't remember. It's Tom Peters or Peters Toms or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, just said at one point that, you know, all management is manipulation. 
Which is a brutal truth. I, I, let's use persuasion. No, it's, I mean, just like why, why sweeten it? It's, it's about convincing people that the things that you find to be in the best interest of the organization are also in their best interest. Anyway, this woman is obviously extremely talented because she did something I've never done, which is build a bazillion dollar blood testing company. Now, granted, it was... She didn't, but go ahead. <laughs> but still, like the thing that she pulled off is very hard. The fact that there was no it product is. makes it almost more impressive. Yes. In, a, in an evil way. And there was a product, it just severely underdelivered on what was promised. And they well, were doing a lot of like testing. This was the first, I have two lessons that I took out of this book. And, you know, as a non-practicing attorney, by the way, we should talk for a minute about how attorneys can turn and be just incredibly this nasty. Is what, the book ended up being about the way that litigation affects the truth about business and how a business is run and operated at a certain scale. And how you can use it as an intimidation tool. You know, this drives me. I will ruin you. And, mm-hmm. the, and the thing is, you're walking out of there and you're like, listen, you're going to sign this. And if you say one thing, because you're walking out of there knowing this. The, the, you're quitting. The and scam said, was known years before it came out. Yeah. It's just as you're walking out the door and they say, hey, listen, uh, you know, we're rigging old blood testing machines and we're lying to everyone. If you mention this to anyone, I will ruin you. I don't even know if it was a scam. I think it was very spongy and people believed whatever they chose to believe. No, but you and had they created an environment in which people could believe what they wanted. And then you go, I, I can't do this anymore. I need to quit. And they would go, clearly, you've lost the thread here. You are in big trouble. You, we over here, we're doing this amazing work and you're telling us that you're going to just walk out on this. You're going to sign this document right? or we're going to ruin your life because we're doing something here to change the world. And you just came in and said that you don't want any part of it. And like, if you're a typical human being without a lot of legal background, you're just, that's like a full blast oh, into absolutely. your brain. You're like, absolutely. okay, whatever. I'll sign whatever. Please don't yeah, kill leave me. me alone. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, you know, the, the, the wall street journal reporter who, chase this story had a real hard time getting people to kind of comfortably take baby steps towards him but this is where to jur- let him know what's going on journalism is great because all the same lawyers came to came to meet with the wall street journal yeah and the journal's like come on yeah because they don't really have a dog in the fight and in fact it's even worse you got rupert murdoch over there investing and he in owns the Theranos, wall street journal and he right. owns the wall street journal and it still didn't matter he wouldn't no. mess with it no, he can't, right? The Wall Street Journal, like any sort of formidable publishing brand. You lose all your talent. Oh, no, it has a self-destruct button, yeah. right? Like you, you can't do talent. it. If that ever got out that he yeah. he like muzzled the Wall Street Journal because he owns it, it would have been the end of the well, Wall Street Journal. I think everybody kind of hates Rupert Murdoch, but he keeps going partly because he, he creates these Oh, he knows the rules. He yeah. knows the rules. And that was that, right? And also it was like a, a tax drawdown. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was like nothing. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, I have some. I, I can put this against well, some, uh, hundred million some dollars, profits. whatever. <laughs> but yeah, no. So lawyers just show up, and this is. I joke about this, but it's one of the, one of the good things about starting this company with you, you know, I came out of editorial and media, and, and people don't know this. Like everyone's like, oh, an editor. Well, your job is to get really good language into the magazine. Your number one job in any role where you're dealing with the public is to reduce litigation risk. People don't get that. Like yeah. my job in the, has often been, you know, when I'm writing, when I was an editor, when I'm doing anything, you think constantly about the attack surface for litigation. You're no babe in the woods, right? You have a lot of power. 
You do. You could ruin a company. You could ruin you a person ruin a career. with an article. Then there are rules. You need sourcing. You can, but the key thing is you can still get sued at any moment. You can sue anyone. And this is why- Cardinal I re- rule. I really like one of the great things about filing this company with you is that I always have counsel. <laughs> Swear to God. I mean, people don't, you know, all the- all Or our, it's a great partnership, Paul. No, but no, all of our <laughs> contracts go through you, right? Like that's not me. I've seen a lot of organizations that get in trouble because they get a template and then they modify it and there's a lawyer on the other side. And, you know, it's just like, well, no, it's fine. We're, it's fine. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're like, let me see that contract before we sign it. Yeah, that's true. That's really good. Like I, counsel has seen all of the contracts that Postlight has signed. Yeah. I think the other thing and that gave you some comfort here, as an attorney, even a non-practicing one, the last thing we give out is comfort ever. Yeah. In fact, our jobs <laughs> is to give to provide discomfort that's as right. much as possible. Is that any sort of outreach from legal freaked you out? Oh yeah. Like a letter like of oh, any I, sort. I don't want to open it. If I get the email and it's the other the contract on the other side, it makes me nervous. You really and and I think you've seen me open letters and then throw them in the garbage yeah, immediately. I think <laughs> you turn to me and you know, knock on wood, we haven't been sued, and I don't think we. I mean, we keep We're everything. good people. We keep everything buttoned up. We deliver what we say, and if there's disagreements, we sit down and yeah. really we do a good faith effort to figure everything out. So we're pretty good. But you just turned to me at one point and you're like, "Don't worry, we could get sued. It would be okay." Yeah. Like, it just don't, it's not going to kill you. We'll be fine. <laughs> if post like get sued, we get sued. And I'm like, you know, because I'm what, well, you don't understand if you're not an attorney. I think you, you, you forget, but like, you're under constant litigation risk. The news is about everyone getting sued. And then you're like, and you read stuff like the Theranos story, which literally they just threatened everyone with everything. And they have the most high powered lawyer in America, one of them, David Boyce. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the, Bush Gore voting attorney. Yeah, that's right. And so what are you going to do if that comes for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to bow down. You're just like, I don't have any tools or understanding. And I was, before we started Postlight, I think I lived in a lot more fear. Yeah. And also you're kind of, you don't have a lot of money to get a lawyer to look everything over and on and on. There were examples in that book of other lawyers when they found out it was boys saying, just sign it. Just, yeah, just let this it go. This is too much. Let just don't do it. Don't do it. Don't go there. Meanwhile, these are lawyers who could have made money and <laughs> no, charged fees. They're like, just get it. out of this. It's not worth it. I think there were two lessons that I took away okay. from, from the book. One was, and this is, I think, someone, anyone that has a business or is thinking of starting a business around how you treat people. Mm-hmm. There's two ways to get people to stay with your organization. Fear or really a sense of commitment and loyalty to the place where if someone leaves, you end up, if you're doing it right, if someone leaves, you pause and you reflect on yourself. Right. Right. And wonder what happened. What can we do? We ask ourselves that we all do that. the we time. We do pretty serious postmortems when people are headed out the door. Exactly. It's less if somebody leaves Postlight for a startup and they have a certain ambition, that's a that's easier. We haven't I don't yes. think we've we don't tend never to lose people to other agencies. That would make me really pause. Yes. And that kind of fear is healthy. The kind where it's like if they leave, they will ruin me and they are instantly the enemy. Yeah, Uh, you've got a whole other uh, approach that frankly goes right back into the org. It just becomes sort of you can't leave the cult kind of a thing. I think that's that's right. It's the sick system. You can't escape it. If you leave, you will have forsaken your entire future and let everybody down. 
Exactly. Now, exactly. that person clearly was really gifted at building that kind of environment. I think there was, I think if they would have just calmed down and let the smart people in the room do their thing and not overpromise, I think they could have probably found some Oh, this was the heartbreak. Here. The problem is it was like a one- Product, this is about product. It was a $1.5 billion dollar business. That's the problem. Exactly. They had a $1.5 billion dollar like blood testing like situation and they needed a $20, $30 billion dollar blood testing situation to keep up. Exactly. And they exactly. got themselves into a pickle. There was clearly the talent and the drive to get something real yes. into the world. Yes. And they just kept going bigger and bigger. And <sighs> it's just, they lost track. I have a lot of empathy. Every time you build something, you think to yourself, well, this is going to change the world. Product is humbling, uh, man. And then once it's actually, once it gets into the world, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm actually, I'm, I'm dog shit. It's usually <laughs> how that goes. But yeah. Okay. Well, that's real. That's real. It could have been a, an incredible success. It could have been a, like, hey, you know what? They, they, they cut the time in half on getting your blood <sighs> result. There's nothing wrong or with something. It. It's There's okay. nothing wrong with an incredible success. It's okay. But it doesn't make for the it doesn't get you on the cover of like Ink magazine. Yeah. Rich, we should just interrupt the show for a minute to let people know about Postlight. Postlight actually solves actual problems. That's Paul. true. Big companies come to us and they say we have this thing that's going on. We've got about 18 months and let's get it done and it'll be like you can feel the steam from the pressure yeah, exactly. to solve the problem. A lot of people come in and just blink at us for a while. Yeah. I, I've had clients, and some of the bigger ones say, instead of, Rich, if we pull this off, I'm going to be a star, I you often get, Rich, if we don't pull this off, I'm done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Postlight will take, we'll sit down with you and make it so that you're not the risk anymore. And we'll get that we'll software. We'll take it on. We'll get that. We'll take the risk away from you and we will get you your software. It's a great team of designers, engineers, product leaders, and strategists that will help you solve uh, some of your nastiest and biggest technology problems. You know what sales is like at Postlight? Right here. You're listening to it, baby. You send an email to hello at postlight.com and it comes to me and Rich. And you get to be on a podcast without headphones. (laughs) That's right. It's just us. (laughs) All right. So everybody, hello at postlight.com. I'll tell you what I took off of this. Go. Okay. It's very easy if you are a smart, talented person who has succeeded to believe that you have perfect knowledge about things that you know not a damn thing about. Yeah. And the number of people hovering around this complete disaster who were convinced that they had found the source of genius and the future of everything and we're completely wrong. 100% Geniuses, wrong. brilliant people. Brilliant, brilliant people. Yes. And, you know, not just the old doddering Republican establishment yeah. like Henry Kissinger, but like the Obama administration was connected to this yeah. thing. Like everybody, because everybody likes to get in on a good story. Well, the herd was just a collection of like Nobel laureates. I mean, it was just <laughs> this is so good. It was so bizarre. I, was, I mean, shit, Kissinger's here. I mean, Kissinger's that, like, here for But Christ also sake. like the Stanford chemistry professor whatever Stanford like chem- everybody's there and, and you know the the risk around that 
he just goes down and down, like further and further down. I'm like, eh, somebody did the homework. Yeah. Somebody checked this out. I mean, look at look at look at this list of people, and it just snowballs. Yeah. And next you know, next thing you know, Rupert Murdoch is signing a thing, and he doesn't know what he. What, he there's just like crayon pictures. No, somebody was like, Rupert, this is amazing. I spoke to George Schultz. Yeah, this is amazing. This is exactly yeah. what you want to be in on. And so I think. It's a very it's a very easy lesson to take away. Like ah, they're all idiots anyway. They're not. Right. These are really smart, capable people who got a lot done in their lives. Yep. And then they really thought they had something. One of the things that I like to do when I'm confused about something is walk the whole stack. Is what I call it. Like go, okay, what is this? What is it? Okay, what's under that? What's under that? Until literally with especially with software, you get down to the CPU. Like yeah. you should be able to draw a line from this thing that somebody promised you and tells you is going to happen all the way down to the crappy microprocessor in their phone. Yeah. And if you can't, you know, if you can't close up those gaps, sometimes that's your knowledge, but sometimes people are just selling you a bill of goods. Yeah. You know, they're going to change human reality or some way, or people are going to do it this way instead of that way. Well, wait a minute. Well, I, I mean, if I'm the founder Right. And I'm believing it. And yeah. then all of a sudden I look at my board and it's essentially the, the like Reagan administration. <laughs> right. And I, I think, I think, I think that what I've projected comes back at me. And it's like, I mean, obviously I think there they are. See, I think that's real. I think and, that and it's just, a, that's a very fascinating sociological slash psychological story there. It's like, a, I'm surrounded by the geniuses and therefore we must be okay. Let me tell you something. I think that money makes it really easier to believe things. And I think it's money and I, they were throwing big parties and, yeah. and, and Silicon Valley, there's something just so greasy if you lift up the rug yeah, at Silicon oh, Valley. Yeah, there's a lot of bugs just, running around. It's just, that's Not it. like here in New York City. Where oh no, here, I mean, it's just pure board. entire, just, just go to the garment district, good. man. Yeah, Everybody's no, or just, just treating each other right. Just the way that the real estate industry works here and people are just respectful and help each other. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, I guess, that's, but that's, you know, the oh, funny thing God. there, actually, it's a good point. Everybody knows it's corrupt in New York City. It's under, you just got to play the game. And and, and and nobody pretends that real estate in New York City is a utopian, life-changing industry that's going to make the world better. No, look. It's just savage vampires sucking I, blood from each other. I think corrupt is too much. I actually think, I think it's brutally competitive. And I think you have to know how to play. Yeah, I, until, I, you go, is, uh, until you go for a closing and they're like, you just got to give this guy $300. What's his name? Doesn't matter to you. Well, there's that. Yeah. That, I mean, it's if, actually, if you like the little nibbling look corrupt, at Albany. fine. No, no. This is an incredibly corrupt state. Albany, New York City has nothing to do with Albany. <laughs> no, it's great. No, you're right. No corruption here in New York City. This was about problem. Silicon Valley. <laughs> Why you got to shit on the home turf, man? <laughs> I We're post light at 101 Fifth Avenue. All I'm saying <laughs> is that New York City has, it's kind of known what the rules are once you're here for a while. And they suck sometimes. Yes. It is not conducive to success. However, Silicon Valley tends to kind of, it's got the same kind of corruption and hustle, but it tends to dress it up in world-changing utopian dreamscapes. And they're like, look at the, they just lead literally unicorns. The future is here. The future is mm, now. Here we go. Yeah. Blockchain. Literally unicorns. Just <laughs> literally unicorns. a herd of unicorns yeah, just down running. Sand Hill Road. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so you're, uh, and so that, I do like that about this city. It's not a monoculture. And the worms and the insects are running down the street. You don't have to lift up yeah. a rock to see them. Yeah. Anyway, people should read Bad Blood. It is a very straightforward narrative about what can go wrong when you believe stuff. Yeah. And it is so easy to go one, one direction yep. and then keep going. <laughs>
Yes. All right. Let's get out of here. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.